0: what's up everybody welcome to call to the bullpen i'm david payne with brad zampar and jimmy miller let's play ball we're gonna kick this thing off in the jurassic era talking about the drunk dinosaur running the chicago white Sox. that is tony la Russa, uh, and the antics that happened uh, against the dodgers this last week um so to set the scene Trey Turner is up at the plate with a a one-two count. Uh, First base, there's a a man on first base. First base becomes available when he advances to second base. um, And with that base open, Tony LaRussa decides with a one-two count to intentionally walk Trey Turner to get to Max Muncy. This is a story as old as time. We know how this goes. It almost always goes this way, where the next guy comes up and hits a home run. And Max Muncy, on the same date, that he hit that famous home run against Madison Bumgarner, where he told him to go get the ball out of the ocean. Hits a, a huge home run here, comes around the plate, yelling at Tony La Russa, calling him a fucking idiot. You walk him with two strikes. like, uh, And then after the game, Tony Larusa was genuinely surprised that people were questioning him intentionally walking a guy with two strikes. What do we make of this, guys?
1: I don't know. I mean... As good of the hitter as Trey Turner is, as good of a two-strike hitter as, as he is, you know, you still have two strikes on him. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's the best fit to be manager there. We've seen it already. They should not be under 500 with the team they have. I mean, obviously, Keiko hasn't been very good, Moncada, but still I, I feel like they need to consider shaking things up. But I feel like Tony La Russa has built up such a resume that it's like, I don't want to say he's untouchable, but, It'd be very, it'd, it'd be a very surprising move to many fans if, if they were to move on from him.
0: It's almost like he has tenure.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I mean, it doesn't, re- it didn't really make sense. I mean, even Trey Turner after game was like, okay, like I'll take the walk in a one two count. But Trey Turner over the last two years is like a, he's like a 580 OPS hitter in a two strike count. It's just something that if you're doing analytics, I'm sure that the White Sox are every team is, I don't know where you come to the assumption that you have to walk him with two strikes.
0: And I don't even think that's it. Like analytics would not tell you to make that move. He does not seem like the kind of guy that's using analytics too much. Right. He's not the guy there. He was never the guy there. It was never the right move for the White Sox the with the team composition they have with the location they're in to hire an old white man as the manager honestly and you know the move itself was bad but I think the reaction afterwards of wait you guys were surprised at this and like genuinely didn't realize that this was not uh, you know a good move is very surprising um and and this was not the the first manager incident of the week too we had the um, the, the issue with not knowing the rules earlier um, w- w- was that was that him was that someone else was that him it's it's Dave, Roberts. Dave Roberts that was Roberts. But yeah, and that was in that series though, right?
1: No, it was against the Mets. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was against the
0: Mets. Okay, hey, the Dave Roberts not knowing uh, that you can't bring in a position player unless it was down seven or up six. seven, six at least six, yeah, six. Like, what is going on with the managers right now? Everybody seems to be drunk when they're managing. These are, like, teams that – I I'm, granted, any of us could manage the Dodgers to 100 wins. Uh, you know, my dog could manage the Dodgers to 100 wins. Uh, but in, it's really having an impact on the White Sox. They were bad underperformers last year. Granted, they had some injuries. You know, Eloy Jimenez died last year, and they held a funeral for him. <laughs> Robert was out. But – What is like this is a this is legitimately a top four team in baseball. We had them number two on the power rankings at the start of the season. This team is good, and it's just not clicking with him there. And and I I agree with Jim. Any other manager is out and shaken up, but something about him he he has dirt on the owners. I, I don't know what's going on, but any other manager would have been out maybe after last year, but especially after like that day, he should have been fired after that press conference, in my opinion. Now, speaking of front office incompetence, Bradley, we need to have a discussion about the Nashville Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Leaked documents show that there is a feud going on, a a family feud of sorts, and not the Steve Harvey kind, uh, over the Baltimore Orioles between Lou and John Angelos. Peter, their father, um, the longtime owner of the O's, uh, had some health issues. He's getting up there in age. Um, and established a trust after having a, a cardiac event last year to ensure that both of his sons split control of the Orioles. That's not happening. Uh, these documents, uh, from this lawsuit between the, the Angelos brothers show that John has, uh, taken over control, sole control of the team, uh, and there's possible interest from him in moving the team to Tennessee, uh, where he lives, uh, Peter, uh, Peter's wife, which I, I guess is, is their mother. It doesn't seem like it's their mother, though, from what I've read. He must have remarried or something. Um, but she, it, Peter's wife, is is on the side of selling the team, um, whereas uh, Lou is very much wanting to keep the Orioles in Baltimore, build a winning baseball team in Baltimore. Brad, on a 1 to 10, how much do you read into this?
2: Mm, probably a 3.
0: That's my Maybe. number
2: maybe a four just because it's been like a topic for the last couple of years. But I think that's also a tribute to them just being God awful. But I think overall there's, I I don't think there's much to it. I mean, this team is locked into Baltimore. They they can put in a five, usually leases are two to three years and they've hit the quota for the number of years of that. So they can throw down a five-year extension starting in 2024. Yep, Maryland just put, more than a billion dollars into the Ravens and the Orioles for that whole
0: lot. That's not including like the the left field wall project that was just done too, the multi-million dollar left field wall project. And then another multi-billion dollar deal in stadium upgrades.
2: Yeah. It just, it, I don't think that there's anything to seriously consider that they would be leaving Baltimore.
0: Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I see this as, Uh, probably a tactic by Lou Angelos to sway public opinion against John and to make it very clear um, that the fan base does not want this team to move, that there is, you know, you see it with every single team, you know, when teams aren't good, the attendance is not good, right? And I actually think that not attending games is the best way that a fan can express their frustration with ownership, right? You, you cannot watch and you cannot go in person. Those are the two things that you can do. So I, I don't get when people complain about oh, the, the O's have low attendance, the Marlins, the A's have low attendance. Like that's our way of protesting against ownership that we don't agree with. Um, so you know, of course, as we sucked, the ownership was bad or the, the attendance was bad. And you know, this is a way that maybe Lou can show um to to John and, and to Peter, if he's involved in this, that uh, there is a future for Orioles baseball here. There is strong public support for Orioles baseball here. Um, and in my opinion, leaving Camden Yards an empty ballpark without a baseball team would be the worst front office decision since the Babe Ruth trade. Um, that's now if if Juan Soto gets traded and the Orioles move, then we got to have a discussion about what's the worst front office move. But uh, Jimmy, from a, as a uh, outsider hearing all this, um, you know, you're a, a Mets fan. Before this, you, you, before this year, you have been used to uh, some shit shows. Um, did, do you see this as the the O's are a shit show, or do you see this as the the way we do, as like a, a three, not not a big worry kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I'd say three, not a big worry. Uh, like Brad was saying, I I feel like when, whenever it comes to like trusts and families, it it's, it's not going to go down well. I mean owners obviously have money when they die the family's going to want you know their slice of the pie it's just the way it is I I don't think I'm too concerned about it um you know the the fan base there loves the Orioles they have a history of winning there I I think that they're on the rebuild too I think they stay in Baltimore I I don't I, I don't really think that this is a huge issue but I'm not too you know well versed on the issue as being a Mets fan their attendance
2: this year is actually twenty first in the majors right now, which is which is up from well their home attendance obviously, but it's actually up from the last couple of years and they've been below twenty five.
0: Wow, it's almost like the on field product is better this year. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's multiple all star ca- caliber players. It's almost like they're not going to lose hundred games, right? You see, we're we're going to win seventy games this year, and we will we'll be in that you know probably. 18 to 25 range in the standings and the the attendance reflects that as well you're going to rank in you know a, unless you're the Dodgers and have a 50,000 seat stadium and you could you know only win 40 games and still be up in attendance but the attendance is going to correlate with the standings and that stat right there just shows that now we'll stick with uh the front office team chemistry kind of theme here going to the Marlins uh, where they held a team meeting About Jazz Chisholm. Um, And some of the topics of this meeting, I guess, were on field and off field personalities, how players are showing up dressed to the ballpark. What are we doing here, man? Who gives a fuck how someone shows up dressed to the ballpark? I could give a shit if you show up in a, a Ninja Turtles costume, head to toe, like it's Halloween. If you go out on the field and you do what Jazz Chisholm does, and produce. I mean, the very next day he gets out on the field, with the first out bat of the game, and puts a ball in the right field seats. I could, I can show up, commando, walk in naked for all I care. Sorry, you were in the middle of a sip when I said that. My bad. <laughs> but no, why is this? Why is this an issue? What, comparing him to Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman left his team to go bang Carmen Electra in Vegas. Jazz Chisholm's in the lineup every day, producing. He's he's closer to Lamar Jackson than he is to to Dennis Rodman. I am just so infuriated over this kind of disrespect that like the young, exciting players get. Um, uh, but, but Jimmy, NL East guy, you've got to kind of love seeing the Marlins fall fall apart a little bit. But what's your take on this whole situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's three guys, maybe four of the Marlins that are honestly going to be there a few years from now when hopefully they complete their rebuild. Sandy Diego Pablo Lopez, and Jazz Chisholm, maybe uh, Trevor Rogers. He's better than he's been playing this year. But, yeah, I mean, he's the only guy, Jazz, in that lineup. He's the only position player. You know, they have a good rotation, good, you know, two, three guys that will be there in the future. But he's the only position player that I honestly think is going to stick with them. And if they go on to make the playoffs in the years to come, we'll be there. So if anything, they they should be trying to make him feel comfortable there and, you know, see what he needs. Because at the end of the day, you know, he's on pace to hit 30 home runs this year. I think he, he had two last night. I think he's got like 12 on the year. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think that if anything, they should be getting on the other players, not producing, then really the only guy in that lineup that is going to be there for years to come that could be a part of that future.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And this is the second thing that we've seen in baseball. It's also happened in the, and uh, at least two with Acuna and Freeman earlier in the year when we learned that Freddie wasn't like, or he was, he had to be the stickler about Ronald and how he appeared and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, I really don't understand why there's an issue with anything. Like you guys were saying, as long as you go out there and produce, it does not matter how you show up to the ballpark or it doesn't matter how you act on the ballpark. I, on the field, not on the ballpark, but it doesn't. It, I'm genuinely confused why the Marlins would try to alienate their best young position player.
0: Yeah, and you know, if you're doing like disrespectful stuff on the field, like Jonathan Papelbon, like that's that's one thing, right? But he's not doing anything disrespectful. He's not flipping anyone off. He's not grabbing his crotch. He's doing a euro step into home plate. Who cares? Yeah. Like, and we we even saw it last year with Tatis a little bit. Like, it's, like, all these young, exciting players, like, the get-off-my-lawn crowd is on them. Mm -hmm. And you know what Jazz Chisholm's going to do if you embrace him and let him be him? He's going to sell a ton of tickets. He's going to get butts in seats. You embrace a player like that, and, you know, especially for a team like the Marlins that historically struggles with attendance when you have a young, exciting player that's going to get butts in the seats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you have players, like, getting domestic abuse charges and disrespecting fans, you know, and I've, I've seen jazz play. I saw him play at city. He, he was great to fans, you know, he was autographs, you know, gave me one. He he's a good personality. I, he's taking it upon himself I think to grow the game to see what, you know, the game needs. Cause they, they need that, that personality that is going to embrace fans and embrace the culture of the game. And yeah, I mean, it, there's bigger issues in baseball with players than somebody being a little too flashy, I guess.
0: This is a direct message to the 29 other GMs in Major League Baseball. Somebody please save Jazz. Get him out of there, please. Now, Jimmy, take it away with this week's MLB Players of the Week.
1: AL Player of the Week, he started off slow, but Marcus Semien of the Rangers, 476 average, 10 hits, four home runs, four RBIs, a 10.48 48 slugging percentage and a 15.48 OPS. AL Pitcher of the Week, a good lefty for the Rays, Shane McClanahan. Eight innings pitched, no earned runs, nine strikeouts, just two hits and one walk given up en route to a two-to-one win against the Cardinals on Thursday. AL Rookie of the Week, a new face of Jake Berger from the White Sox. 474 batting average, nine hits, four of them doubles, two home runs, five RBIs, 1,000 slugging, and a 15.24 OPS. And then NL Player of the Week, we have Jake Cronenworth of the Padres. He had a great week thus far, a 389 batting average, seven hits, two home runs, 14 RBIs, .522 on-base percentage, and a 1355 OPS. NL Pitcher of the Week and NL Rookie of the Week are the same person in Hunter Green of the Reds. He's starting to turn it around. Seven scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, one walk, and got the win in a 7 to nothing blowout against the D-backs on Thursday. Green pitches tonight and tonight still counts for this week. So hopefully he doesn't get shelled and I look like an idiot for giving him the <laughs> NL pitcher and rookie of the week nod. But we'll see how he does. I th- I think he's starting to turn it around.
0: Who who are they playing tonight?
1: Padres, I want to say. So don't like that one.
0: But <laughs> well, hey, I I love to see him turning it around because he yeah. really he did start the year off really exciting. You know, and you look at like the rankings of like who's thrown the most hundred mile an hour pitches. Without Jacob Degrom in the league right now, he is almost running away with that. So mm-hmm. uh, I love to see. You know, he was so hyped up, and he really started the year well. And it sucked to see him falter there. And you think maybe on a better team, he doesn't falter as much. But I, I'd love to see him turning it around. Now, before, before
2: we wait, wait, a fun fun fact about that uh, McClanahan and, and Mikos, uh matchup on two, on Thursday. That was the shortest game in Major League Baseball since 2015. It was under two hours. Wow. They both they,
0: they both went eight innings in that game. How many pitches for each of them? Do you know? Well,
1: must uh, have been, not,
0: not off the top of my head. Must have been pretty efficient.
1: Yeah. The point of hand struck out nine, so I mean, he he must have been. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Mikelis struck out eight too.
0: That's crazy that they could sh- strike out yeah, you know, 17 between the two of them and and still have a sub two hour game. That's crazy. Yeah. So before we go to Brad with the players of the week for this week, we got to talk to our low-A player of the week last
3: week from the Salem Red Sox, Phillip Sykes. So we'll let you all take a look at that right now.
0: What's up, everyone? We got Phillip Sykes from the Salem Red Sox here with us. What's going on, man? How are
3: you? Uh, It's doing good. Living the good life.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking to us today. You were our low a player of the week last week. So congratulations on, on the huge week and the award. Uh, Thank you. Is that that your first award in pro ball?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Awesome.
0: Very cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you were uh, a 2021 18th rounder, New Mexico, Pima and TCU. Uh, I'm just wondering what so far has been like the biggest adjustment jumping from college ball to, you know, your first year and a half of pro ball now.
3: Um, I would say it's, it's a little different as far as the team aspect of it. It's, you know, kind of in college, everyone had that same goal of we're wanting to win this game, you know, do whatever you can to win this game. And while here it's kind of, kind of the same deal, but it's more like, All right, I'm going to see how I can do today. You know, it's kind of more just individual base, but there's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, it's still baseball, but that's kind of the biggest thing for me because everyone in college is just everyone had the same goal, you know. So,
0: yeah, absolutely.
3: So, uh, what were you saying?
1: Um, so with your on base, you've gotten on base at a 409 clip in your two years in minors thus far. What would you say is the biggest contributor to that? Do you like Look to walk, or is it just you know, yeah
3: like
1: counts? Uh, yeah, just really
3: trying to get in good hitters counts. Not swinging at pitches that um you know that they don't give you is the big thing. Um Yeah, and you just got to take your walks because at the end of the year that really helps you. I mean, I have a I have a ton of buddies that hate walking, but I just got to keep telling them, like, dude, you're gonna you're gonna need those walks at the end of the year, you know. So exactly,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, on yeah, what was that? You got another one? Yeah. Um. So I, I'd say playing, like going to JUCO and going back to TCU, what, what would you say is the biggest adjustment, like with pitching? Would, would, would you say like the pitching got a lot tougher going from like JUCO, the TCU? Um, yeah.
3: I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, at JUCO, I went to a decent JUCO. Honestly, before I even went to junior college, I didn't have any idea about junior college baseball. So I went, I went and I played in the, uh, the wood bat league. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, a, it was a good, it was a good step for sure. Um, I'd say, I mean, at JUCO, you'd see the occasional, you know, 93, 95 every once in a while. While at TCU, you're seeing that a few times a weekend, you know? Yeah, for
1: sure.
3: And then, and then when you're here, you know, you're seeing 96 to 99, a hundred. Mm-hmm. So it's.
1: Yeah, probably further so off speed stuff, too. Yeah, 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 it's
3: just speed stuff. Some guys, uh, fastballs, just have more kind of ride to it. And you just – the more you see those pitches and the more you just get those reps in, the easier it is to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. get honed in on it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so
2: I kind of have a uh, TCU connection a little bit, but I've – from being in Connecticut, it's kind of school that just really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And in high school, we uh, we actually adopted the Brian Kane philosophy. Yeah. So I was wondering how much that has meant
3: to you. Oh, it's helped me a lot. I still, um, we used to meet with him at TCU at least once a week. And I still take some of the stuff that he says uh, today, I still use it. I mean, the whole breathing technique and then the whole having like the, uh, like a release whenever kind of things go your way and all that stuff. I mean, he's really good. Now, I've even put guys that um, like on the, our Red Sox team here. I've even got guys to start following him and kind of doing stuff that he, you know, he tells you. So
2: yeah, some some of his stuff is just crazy when you get it's into stuff about it of what he does. But it's another insane. question, another question I have for you was last night I looked at the box score and I didn't see that you were playing, but I saw mm-hmm. that you made a pitching appearance. Yeah. you being yeah. A, t- a former two way guy, I was wondering
3: what that experience was like for you. Oh, it was fun, man. It was. So it was my second appearance all year. Um, yeah, like you said, so yesterday I was supposed to have the day off, kind of just get my legs under me a little bit. And then um, my our manager told me that I, if he doesn't get have a clean eighth inning, then I'm going to have to go in. And I was like, oh, gosh. Adrenaline started pumping. You know, I was like, man. But, no, it's fine. I like, I like going out there and pitching. It's it's totally different. I'm just, like, competing and kind of having control of the game.
2: What are you, what are you thinking after you give up that double? Before the, oh, before the strikeouts
3: i knew i knew i just i knew i was debating on if i should just flip in a curveball the very first pitch because i knew he was just gonna sit on a heater dead red <laughs> but it was just kind of one of those things that i, I felt bad for the guy because it wasn't my runners-ons golly <laughs> i hated it for him but it was just one of those deals yeah i i
0: had to break out the otani jersey since we got the two-way yeah here <laughs> yeah let's go so, uh, would you want to play some rapid fire now? Just a minute of random questions? Let's do it. All right, Brad, you got us with the timer again? Yep. Let me know when it's last question, same deal? Yes, sir. All right, you ready? Yep. Let's do it. Favorite player growing up?
3: King Griffey Jr.
0: Hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot coffee. Uh, Who's your favorite team growing up?
3: Favorite team? I like the Astros.
0: Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Boobs or butt? But. But. Favorite TV show?
3: Uh, What is it? Um, uh, it's the, uh, gosh, I can't even think of it right now. Uh, let's go Criminal Minds.
0: Uh, what's your walk up song?
3: Right now, it is Grills. It's your favorite
0: alcoholic beverage.
3: I love me a, uh, a cold Dos Equis. <laughs>
0: Who's the best player in baseball right now?
3: Best player in baseball right now? Probably Otani.
0: Go-to fast food spot on the road?
3: Ooh. I can, some Zaxby's.
0: If you were an animal, what animal would you be?
3: (sighs) Man, I feel like I'd be like a cheetah.
0: (laughs) Last question coming up. All right. Do you have a favorite sport besides baseball?
3: Besides baseball? Um... I'd say football. Who Who's your team? It's Cowboys. Cowboys. Okay. okay. Yeah. From Texas, man. Come on. Yeah. It makes sense. Makes hey, sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on cool. and talking to us, man.
3: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on.
0: What time is game time today?
3: We got a 6.05 game time. We're wearing the, um, the Grays jerseys. It's the, uh, oh. I guess it's Negro league today.
0: That's, that's sick.
3: So it's. Yeah, it's pretty sick. It'll, it'll look pretty cool, so. That's
0: awesome. Well, yep. you, you in the lineup tonight?
3: Yep, I should be in the lineup tonight, so.
0: Let's go. Awesome. Well, Let's get, go. Get a, Let's do it. get a good piece of one for us.
3: For sure. I will. I appreciate right.
0: it. Yeah, cool. Thank you, man. Thank you all. All right, Bradley, it is time for this week's Player of the Weeks. Who do we got? For AAA, we have Spencer
2: Steer. He is a second baseman for the St. Saint Paul Saints. He's 24 years old. He was a 2016-29th round pick by the Indians, and he didn't sign. And then he went to Oregon. He was a three-year starter, and he became a third-round pick by the Twins in 2019. He's the ninth-ranked prospect in the system currently. And this past week, he was nine for 22, scored 11 runs. He doubled, homered six times, including a three-home run game. Had 11 RBIs and he slugged 1273 with his OPS being a 1791. Double A, it's going to be Paul McIntosh. He's a catcher for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who were the award last week. He's 24 years old. He's a 34th round pick by the Angels in 2018 out of a uh, community college in Tennessee. He ended up not signing and going to West Virginia University. Signed with the Marlins after the 2021 draft. He's not inside their top 30, but I think he's really a player that he might be able to make the double A jump straight to the majors. This past week, he was nine for 16, had four doubles, homer twice, drove in eight, struck out three times, and also walked three times. Slugging, he slugged eight, 88 and his OPS was an 1820. High A player of the week, he won our only player our our high or just our player of the week for single a that's what i was trying to get at there because we only
0: had one right that's what you're saying yeah i got you i got you
2: it was christian incarnacion strand he's a third baseman for the cedar rapid Colonels. uh he's 22 years old 34th round pick by the mariners out of uh, a community college didn't end up signing went to oklahoma state for a year and turned into a fourth round pick in 2021 27th in their system which is up from 29th when he was the uh, player of the week a few weeks ago he was eight for 20 four, four doubles homer three times drove in six his slugging was a ten fifty, and his ops was a fifteen twenty eight. and our final low a player was logan logan cerny he was an outfielder for the fayetteville woodpeckers 22 years old uh, he was a 2021 10th round pick out of Troy by the Phillies, who flipped him in the offseason to the Astros for their backup catcher and Garrett Stubbs, who actually, after researching him today, he's not been that bad as a backup catcher, considering. But I think the Astros are going to win this trade in the long run. Uh, he was eight for 18, doubled once, homer twice, drove in 11, walked four times. He stole five bags, wasn't caught once. Slugged 8.33 and his OPS was a 13.78.
3: Before we jump into the umpires of the week for this week,
0: last week's got cut off from the episode, so uh, a, apology to to Brad there for that. But we just want to give a shout out to Stu Sherwater as the best umpire of the week from last week for his performance on the Astros Athletics game on last Monday, uh, and to I guess it's not really a shout out; it's like the opposite of a shout out to Chris Seagal, who did Padres Cardinals game. Uh, last Tuesday as our, our worst umpire of last week. So we'll make sure that they get their credit uh, and accountability uh, from last week. But who do we got for this week? So for our best umpire this week, it was Jeremy Riggs.
2: He did the game Wednesday in Cleveland with the Rangers in town. Cleveland ended up winning that game 4 nothing. His overall factor for the day was 0. 0.13 for Cleveland, Overall accuracy for the day, 97%. Consistency, 93%. Called ball accuracy, 97%. And his called strike was up 10% to 98%. And our worst on part of the week is going to be a repeat of last week. It's going to be Chris Siegel. He did the games um, last Sunday in Texas with the Mariners in town. And he was just abysmal for the Mariners. He cost them two and a half runs. His overall consistency for the day was 91%. His accuracy was 89%. Only thing he did all day right was calling balls was 98%. And his cold strike accuracy was 75%. And I have an honorable mention this week for the winner last week, who was uh, Stu Shoewater. He had a very interesting game this past Thursday in San Francisco. Rockies were in town. They won 4-2. to But his overall factor for the day was a run for the Rockies, which is generally pretty high, but his accuracy was up 97%. His consistency was up at 96%, and both his called ball and called strike accuracy were up at 98%. So it's kind of a weird one where he costs the other team almost another run, but he was also very good all day.
0: So it must have been like his most impactful call was like a pretty impactful call then yeah whereas like you know sometimes the most impactful call isn't really a big deal or anything so it must have been some situation like that but uh to the uh, who, who what was the name of the worst again chris siegel chris siegel you can't escape us man even when you get cut out of the episode we we're we're like thanos we're inevitable <laughs> so now we're going to owen's top five plays from the last <laughs> Those plays now it's time to go to our baseball history lesson with cooper and the mlb colorized photo of the week welcome back to photo of the week this week's picture is lou gehrig from the 1939 season lou gehrig played 17 seasons as the yankees first baseman tallying 113.6 war 493 home runs and a 340 batting average lou's most famous feat was his 2130 consecutive games played earning him the nickname The Iron Horse, as well as Yankees' captainship in 1935, a record which would not be broken until 1995 by Cal Ripken Jr. Lou would take himself out of a game in May of 1939, ending his streak and beginning his battle with ALS. The writers waived their wait period when they heard of Gehrig's disease and immediately elected him to the Hall of Fame in 1939. He would battle for two more years before dying on June 2, 1941. MLB now honors him by holding Lou Gehrig's day every
3: June 2nd. Thanks and back to the guys. Thanks to Cooper for that. Now it's time for our
0: Power and Sour Rankings. Power and Sour Rankings are presented by Fit and Faded. Head to fit-faded.com and use code bullpen for 15% off your order. All sorts of athleisure wear, CBD products, um, anything that you would need uh, to promote cannabis as a a fitness enthusiast like myself. Uh, now we're going to go to our Sour Rankings. We'll start at number five after an abysmal week. Um, despite their appearance uh, very late in the power rankings, the, the Milwaukee Brewers can't escape the sour rankings this week. At number four, uh, you heard us talk about that lawsuit. Um, on top of that, you've got struggles from Adley Rutschman and also uh, top pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez going down for the rest of the season with a lat injury. That puts the Orioles at number four. The A's are just on a horrendous skid. Uh, losing the, of their last their last 10. They lost their last 10 games. Uh, the Marlins after the Jazz Chisholm incident come in at number two. Uh, and who could number one be but the drunk dinosaur from Chicago, Tony LaRusa? Now uh, going to our power rankings, not much changing, but the change is a big one. At number five is the Padres. Number four is the New York Mets. Number three is the Houston Astros. Start spreading the news because number two is the Los Angeles Dodgers and a number one, king of the hill, top of the heap. The New York Yankees, for the first time this year, have dethroned the Los Angeles Dodgers from the number one spot on the power rankings. I'm very much looking forward to the comment section being friendlier to us this week. (music)